God has great things in store. Amen. Amen. How many of you remember last week's message? <laughs> That's all right. We're not going to have a test. But I hope that these truths are going deep and taking root. Amen. Father, thank you for this awesome day that you've given us to come here and worship you together, your children in this place that you've given us to meet together, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to be discipled for the work of the ministry, for all that you've created us to do. We love you and we thank you for helping us to know you better that we might have a better understanding and revelation of the love that you have for us so that we might in turn give that love to others. Amen. amen. In Jesus' name, amen. People are living, but they're really dead. Dead lives. Going through the motions. Uh, the world, no matter how much good they do, they're dead. The misconception is, if you do good, you are good. And that's a lie. Jesus said, what do you call me good for? Only God is good. And the man should have said, I know, that's why I'm calling you good. <laughs> but he missed that opportunity. But unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. But once we are, we become that new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And we're starting to understand that. We realize that we still got some stinking thinking. Our soul is being processed now. We're being renewed as we grow in the knowledge of our Lord. Through the word. Through discipleship. Through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But our spirit, and remember John 4, 24, God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, we are spirit, soul, and body. Three-part being, just like our Father in heaven. So there's this part of us that we cannot discern with these natural senses that has been redeemed, perfected, and sealed until that promised day of redemption. One third of you is already done. Amen. Now we're fixing this personality. This programmed with all the trash of the world. Amen. <laughs> Undo that. Get into agreement with God so we can learn to benefit from the things that Jesus paid for us to have. Even the church, not just the world, but the church for the, in large part, I won't say for the most part, because there are wonderful things happening all around the world. The church is growing exponentially. I'm talking about spirit-filled, Bible-based, real church. 
Not so much in the United States, but it's going to happen. We're going to have a great revival here in this country. There's going to be another great awakening, and I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Amen? It's going to happen in our lifetimes. Yes, because all of us have a long way to go. How do I know that? Moses was 120 years old. His natural strength was not abated, nor his eyesight dimmed. We have a better covenant with better promises. Why settle for anything less? (laughs) But the church, in large part, is living just as defeated and just as dead alive as the world. Matter of fact, they're going to the world for their information. I guarantee you, a lot more Christians go to Google before they go to God. And it shouldn't be that way. And blaming God for our hardships and trials and tribulations. A lot of the church teaches that God is the one putting sickness on people and causing putting divorce on them and poverty and all those things are demonic and God is not the one doing that. John 10.10, Jesus was once again defending Himself as He always seemed to have to do to His own creation. He said, no, no. They were accusing Him of having a demon again. He said, no. The thief, the devil comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. So what does this abundant life look like? What should it look like? Well, I'm I'm here to tell you that it's the entire package. Total prosperity. Total prosperity. And we're going to talk about what that word means a little bit. John 3, 2. The Holy Spirit put it like this. He said, Beloved, you are God's beloved. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. That's God's desire. That's His wish, His hope for you. So, we're talking about the growth of saints, the maturing of the saints. And as we begin to learn to partake of the the promises that are laid out in this Word, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, We learn to participate in the blessings and the power that Jesus has provided through the atonement. Amen? The problem is, until we grab a hold of these truths and meditate and chew on them to the point that they become fact to us. Too late to talk me out of it. You know, you get to that point, I'm sorry, man. 
You might have, you might have swayed me a few years ago, but it's too late now. I already know the man and the God. And I know about him. I know his ways. I know his word. I know his promises concerning me. And so now the devil can't steal that from me. But until we get to that place, our mind is wrong. We're just wrong-minded sometimes. We have these ideas of grandeur, I guess. We think we're kind of the center of it all. Do you know that the sun is just one of the little lights, a little tiny light that God created and put in the sky? And that sun is 864,400 miles across. That's about 109 times the diameter of the earth. Put it like this. The sun weighs 333,000 times as much as the earth. (laughs) Did you think of it that way? Never really thought about it? Maybe, Maybe it's a little bigger, maybe smaller. I don't know. Who cares, right? But that much bigger? How about... 1,300,000 planet Earths can fit inside of the sun. Most people think that they're the center of the universe and everything just revolves around them. But no, that sun has created this force that compels us to continue to circle around it. That's just an example of some things that we go, oh, really? I had no idea. Well, that's how it is when you start learning about these promises of God. It's like, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant sometimes. <laughs> Whoa, too much. You know, how come I never heard this stuff in church? <laughs> and that's the sad part. I'm going to look in Romans real quick. I want to talk about just some of the things that this abundant life has provided for us. Romans chapter 6. Starting at the 6th verse, I guess. Look at some of the areas where we've been blessed, where we've been set free in order to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has provided for us. Amen? Y'all up for that? Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Wow. Did you realize that that had something to do with prosperity? Every foul, dead thing that you've ever experienced or been exposed to, whether it was strife, bitterness, anger, poverty, rejection, hatred, 
All those things come from sin. Whether it was yours or someone else's. Now you don't have to be sinning to be sinned against. This is a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. But we've been delivered from that body of sin. That nature that was evicted and then the Holy Spirit came in. Cleansed our old spirit of that fallen corrupted seed of Adam. And now we have nothing compelling us to sin any longer. No more saying the devil made me do it. That would be a lie after you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's good news. It's not some reason to be able to say, ah, you can't say that anymore and I condemn you. No. It's for you to know, hey, I don't have to believe that lie anymore. I am not just a, I'm not an alcoholic and I'm in 43 days, day by day. No. You've entered into the one-step program. And there's a 100% success rate with Jesus Christ for your marriage, your finances, your relationships, your heart, your eternal future. So, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is that part of us we can't discern with our natural senses. But it's the truth. And once you believe it and take hold of it, it makes you strong when temptation comes. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin, this is the 14th verse, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Oh, all those stories about how grace just is a license for you to do the best you can and Jesus paid the rest. Nonsense. This is saying right here that because I'm not under the law, that I'm under grace, I'm free. Free from sin. Free from its hold on me. That overwhelming evil concupiscence, the Bible calls it. An overwhelming desire, urge to do good, to do, to do bad. See? Before I was saved, really saved, it's like, oh, I'm going right, to do good. I'm going to do good. I'm going to do good. No, I'm going to go ahead and do the bad thing. Because that's who I was. Now, oh, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be mad at her. I'm just not going to. Oh, oh, I forgive her. I love her. You see? It's the other thing. It's just you just you gotta snap back into place and the right place now, the comfortable place, the the new man is love. And the peace of God rules. It's that umpire in our heart. Without it, something's wrong. So if you can't figure it out on your own, if you're not quite there yet, just run to the maker. Run to the mentor, a godly friend and mentor, 
Not the person that will agree with you <laughs> on the phone <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you want to cuss your spouse. But the one who will steer you back to Jesus. Well, man, I hear you, man. I'm sorry you're going through that. But look, let's, what's the Lord say? What's the Word say about this? Let's pray. That's a friend. That's a friend. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But thank God that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed the heart, obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which has delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Praise God. So that's just one of the parts of prosperity. And I say that's a biggie. Because as good as I intended to do, and all the good skills and things that I would put together to go and conquer the world, that sin kept jumping up and biting me and drawing me back down like a Madras crab. You ever heard of those? You can fill a laundry basket full of these crabs. And none of them will ever get out. Because every time one tries, the others grab hold and pull it back down. And <laughs> but here's, here's, here, let's talk about some of the other blessings, okay? Because Jesus said that money is very important. He talked about money a whole lot. And you'll get preachers on TV... God told me to tell you that if you write me a check for thirty-eight seventy-eight, <laughs> you're going to get this blessing and so forth. And they've caused a lot of problems in the body because they people see that nonsense. They throw the baby out with the bathwater, and they shouldn't, because God has definitely made a plan for the prosperity of His children. Because there's a lot of work for us to do in this world for the body of Christ. And it takes money to do it. It takes money to live. It takes money to, to eat. And he knows we need those things. And he's not opposed to us having things. He's just opposed to it having you. Amen? <laughs> you know that old saying, money can't buy happiness. The problem is, neither can poverty. <laughs> You know, when I was a kid, we were so poor that uh, a robber broke in one time and we robbed him. <laughs> I got a little older, I, I sold furniture for a living. The problem was it was all mine. <laughs> oh, I'm going to stick to preaching. But Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord thy God. Who has given you power to obtain wealth. So power and anointing and ability, a supernatural ability is the anointing. Have been given to you to obtain wealth now that you have the Lord. And now we need to learn how to use it uh, to release it to participate in the plan 
for prospering us that God has set in place. Amen. There are spiritual and natural laws that we learn from the word and we learn how to cooperate with the things God has already set in place. The grace of God is already established. Everything that Jesus provided through the atonement on the cross is already in place. You don't have to go earn it from God. There's nothing you can do that will make you earn anything from God. Now, I'll tell you why that's good news. Because you quit struggling to earn a right relationship with God. You were accepted by Him and brought into the family of God with the same rights and privileges as the natural born child Jesus Himself when you put your trust in Jesus. And now, instead of seeing you as Adam, the corrupted fallen seed, He sees Jesus covered in pure gold. And all the rights and privileges that you enjoy are not based on your own merits anymore. There's lots of reasons to live holy. And we'll talk about that more. But it's not to earn relationship with God. Jesus did that. And now His life is in you and He's living it through you now. I get off into another message if I'm not careful. But power and anointing have been given us to obtain wealth. Deuteronomy 28, 8. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand to. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You say, now where's this property? <laughs> okay. The, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, were looking for the promised land. Joshua brought them on in. Moses, example, representative of the law, was never going to take them across because you can never get there by self-effort. It was Joshua, type and shadow of Yeshua, Jesus, brought them on in. Now, you've been born again into this new church age, this grace, this age of grace and truth, into, born again into not the promised land, but the land of promises. The provision is in the promises. You have to, based on these scriptures though, Learning to cooperate with God, you have to go out and work. He's going to bless whatever you put your hands to. Then, with what He blesses you with, you begin to take advantage of another spiritual law. Sowing and reaping. And He said in Genesis, that law is never going to pass away as long as the earth is still here. I go sow tomato seed in my garden. I've got a potential to get a lot of tomatoes back. Science might be able to tell you how many seeds are in an apple. We serve the God who can tell you how many apples are in a seed. And that's that's better by far. Amen? <laughs> Luke 6.38 says, Give... And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, 
shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. You ever notice that word there? <clears throat> For with the same measure that you meet, or that you give, or sow, with all it shall be measured to you again. Reap what you sow. God's a multi- God of multiplication. And there are other things involved too that you have to cooperate with. But once you realize that the blessing has already been commanded upon you, that God has already anointed you to obtain wealth, then it becomes easier to believe and receive. See? <clears throat> Malachi 3, a passage of Scripture that a lot of preachers like to beat the sheep with. Uh, they used to tell us like this: If you don't, if you, if you don't give, if you don't give, your transmission is going to fall out of your car. God's going to take it out in Doctor Bills. That's all lie. That's that's like that's like you know a lot of the church preaches that way. They got people so scared. It's like they're serving. The Godfather instead of Father God. He's not that way. Jesus bore the curse upon His body on the tree. Anything He took for you, you don't endure anymore. Unless you believe the devil's lies. And empower him with your own words. Malachi 3, 10, 11. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat in mine house and and prove me now herewith saith the Lord of hosts. God God says, try me on this. I loved that when I when I saw that the first time. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, and there shall not be room enough to receive it. That's like God just threw down the gauntlet, he said, Go ahead and try me on this one. Throw me a nickel. I'll bury you in silver. And I'm just silly enough to believe it. If God said it, that settles it for me. Even better. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. When we bring all the tithes to where we are fed, and hopefully God has given me that anointing, that supernatural ability, I think so, because when I listen, I learn to my own messages. <laughs> okay, that's you, God, because I, I wouldn't know what to do without you. Amen. I don't want. I love it. I told somebody just the other day. I said I'm not worried about anything. I'm his responsibility, and he loves it when you talk like that. Not that I'm just going to sit down and do nothing. No, he gives me what to do. But when you bring the tithes to where you're fed, that would be the today's equivalent of the storehouse. The Lord will cause supernatural provision to come back to you. You won't have less because you give out of your lack. You'll have more. 
And this is one of the first things that Jesus taught. He, he told them when he was teaching about money. He said, if you can be trusted with a little, you'll be given a lot. He's talking about everything. Money. You know, the reward for doing really good for God? More work. <laughs> more responsibility. When we get to heaven, you're not going to sit around in the cloud and listen to harp music. It's going to be loud in heaven. You better be ready to jam. I'm telling you, man, they're praising God up there. Amen. What are the blessings that the Lord pours out on us through those open windows of heaven? It's not money. It's not houses and clothes and cars. You might buy those things with the money that you get. But the Lord doesn't give us those things directly. He moves through people. He moves through people. And, and they're the ones God uses to deliver the necessities that, that, that you need. And that He wants to bless you with. It says, men shall give into your bosom. Don't ever forget that because... I have someone that I love very dearly right now, and he's he's a lot like me when when I was younger. And he's like, I I just rather do everything myself. You can't count on nobody. You can't trust nobody. No, everybody's let you down. And in a manner of speaking, that's true. We know that, but we not to have that outlook as Christians. We forgive. We move on. We trust God with it, and we go and we'll. We may not trust that same person with that same responsibility again. That's just stupid. That trust has to be earned. But we're still looking for those people that God is sending. And we don't want to have a hardened heart. Because God uses people when He wants to bless you. And so every time you meet somebody, you can just say, you know. And maybe you're theirs. You know, a lot of times you're their blessing. And that should that should really be the motive. That's more exciting because if you just... If you just go to work that way every day, forget about the wallet. You know, people can pick up on that <laughs> even in the world, especially in the world. The devil is not dumb in that regard, and he'll tip people off, and this one's out for themselves. They're just trying to make a buck. They're only interested in what you can do for them. People can discern that, even from uh, if a Christian or whatever. But if you just pursue love and just go out to be a blessing and you really trust that God is blessing you and it doesn't matter who, I might go and, and just be the biggest blessing to you, give you the shirt off my back and, and really just go out of my way to really help you. Here's the error. When you expect something in return, you expect that person to reciprocate and when they don't, you get angry. That's foolish. Because God's... God took that seed that you sowed and he, you sowed it into your future. He doesn't have to use that person to bless it back to you. That hundredfold return is coming, but it doesn't have to be from them. Praise God if they're wise enough to, to be a part of the program. But they don't have to be. You just know it's coming from somewhere. So you can rest and be at peace. Amen? Oh. I just... I get excited talking about this stuff. So the Lord blesses us with anointing, this ability, that favor. Jesus grew in stature and in favor with God and man. And so will you. Amen. 
as long as you keep these truths and you live it out. He'll give you gifts. He's already given you abilities and talents and and all of those things. He'll give you ideas for new companies and new things. And he'll send people into your life. And it's just exciting to get out of bed every day. You know, our, our friend Andrew Womack, he's got thousands of people work for him. If he ever sees anybody in his ministry and pull in that thank God it's Friday thing, he'll stop right in his tracks and say, do you not like working here? And they're this close to being let go to enjoy Friday every day. <laughs> because it shouldn't be that way for a Christian. It's a terrible testimony when we... When we hate our life to that extent where we just wait until the weekend, you know. If that's the case, ask God to, you know, just put in a, put in for a transfer with God. <laughs> and start believing for that. And then just go back and as long as you're accepting that paycheck, give it your best until He moves you. But He will. He'll move you or move you up, move them out. <laughs> Christians should be running everything. The problem is that Christians look so much like the world and they're getting their information from the world in too many cases. And a lot of times that's the fault of the pulpit because they're not being taught right. They get saved and stuck. And it's just like, is this it? I've been sitting here for 10 years. I've never so much as, as you know, read a scripture out loud. Isn't there more for me to do? And then they just kind of dwindle off, and next thing you know, the sheep get the wolf gets them out there alone, and, and they just kind of dwindle back into the world, or they just think they can do it alone. But just like ministry, Christianity, you know, there's a saying that there's a lot of great benefits to doing ministry alone. Success is not one of them, <laughs> and the same goes for Christianity. You know, you need. The body of Christ. You need fellow believers that love you and pray for you and encourage you. And because we all have our ups and downs, we're not supposed to keep our own counsel. Amen. Amen. God loves a cheerful giver. I had a whole thing I was going to talk about the uh, about money, but I think I think we're clear on that because I want to get to something here before we're done. I'm watching my time today. Because I have a tendency to be long-winded. <clears throat> but God has made... <laughs> God has made... He has provided for our, our mental prosperity. And this is so important because we are not victims. Now, I know that everybody here has been victimized by someone or many someones and things like that. Uh, Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But I'm saying that if it happened before you were born again, well, that person it happened to is dead anyway. (laughs) And the life you live now, you live by the power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and gives life to your mortal body. Your home is in heaven with Jesus. You're only here as an ambassador of him. 
If if a dead person was laying here on the floor, we could kick them and walk on them and spit on them and everything else. Not that we would do that. But it wouldn't bother them a bit. We need to reckon ourselves dead. And realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual war going on. And it's high time that the children of God get to that place just like Elijah. When his servant walked out of that tent in the morning and they were surrounded by the enemy army, chariots and soldiers there to kill them. And he complained to Elijah and said, oh, master, what will we do? And Elisha says, don't worry. There's more for us than against us. And then he prayed and said, Father, open the boy's eyes so he can see. And he saw into the spirit. And surrounding that army was God's army. Chariots of fire and mighty angels. Blinded that whole army. It was against them and he led them. He led them right into the capital of his king. Who wanted to kill them. And he said no. Feed them. Let them go. (laughs) Our battle is not against flesh and blood. The devil is our enemy. That's why we have anger. It's not for people. It's the devil that makes people act the way they do. The best thing that could happen to them is that the Lord get a hold of them and change their heart to the place where they, like me, where I think sometimes of the things I did and the places I've been and I just, oh, I hate it. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. Everybody can be like that. And that's the best friend you'll ever have. He'll hate everything he ever did to you. And he'll love you for helping him to see the truth. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. We all know that one. Love that. How empowering that is. But it's got to be real to you. The truths and promises and provision of God are only as powerful to you as you give them authority to be. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Most think that if they do that, then all is well. Again, if I do good, I am good. Do good, get good. Do bad, get beat. No. Paul makes it clear in the second verse that we also have to renew our minds. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're either going to live in fear or faith. It's either faith or sin. 
If it's not faith or trust in God, then it's not really even love. But how do we learn not to fear? By learning to trust God. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible magnifies or shines the light on our true identity in Christ. This is the only mirror that you're going to get a true reflection of yourself now that you belong to Jesus. And so it's imperative. It illuminates the pathway of life as you stand at the crossroads every day bearing your cross. You say, God, show me those ancient paths. The right way, the good way, the righteous way. And this word is going to come to mind as the Holy Spirit reminds you of all the things that Jesus has said. It's going to help you. Things regarding this life, love, prosperity, health, peace. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And see, there's a, it's conditional. Because we're made like a seesaw. Only one end can stay up at a time. Fear, faith. Doubt, unbelief, trust. You see, you can't do both at the same time. And so you just have to learn when the negative things come. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest on your head, right? People say, I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. Just get that old TV screen monitor on your forehead that projects all your thoughts to everyone to see You'll change. <laughs> You'll change. God's provided for our physical well-being as well. By Jesus' stripes you were healed. Amen? Amen. Is everybody secure in that? Yeah. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but as... But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes you are healed. I've had so many people tell me, oh, that's a spiritual healing. But look in Matthew 8, verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, when the, when the evening was come, this is when he was at Peter's house, his Peter's mother-in-law's house. They brought unto him, unto Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. It's natural, natural healing he's talking about there. 1 Peter, the New Covenant, 2.24, says it again. That by His stripes we're healed. Acts 10.38. Peter, 
Peter was describing. Haven't you heard of this Jesus of Nazareth? Who God anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And doing good. He never did bad. He never put sickness on anyone. The leper says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I'm willing, be clean. Now we have a precedent. We don't have to ask if he's willing. We know because if he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together with your children. Thank you, Lord, for causing this word to take root and bear fruit in their hearts and lives. Let not the enemy steal any of this precious seed that we have sown here today. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much, for for teaching us your ways, for showing us how much you love us and teaching us all the tricks and traps of the devil so that we're not tricked or trapped and freeing us from the bondage to sin that causes us to have problems and showing us that we can do all things through you. Thank you for the health that you provided as part of our inheritance, for the prosperity that we look forward to and mostly that our names are written in your book of life and that we will be with you forever. We want that for all the people we know. We're praying for unsaved loved ones, family members and friends now, Lord. We believe that this is a season of breakthrough. Feel the spirit of breakthrough, Lord, and we thank you for keeping him ever before us. That all those people we've tried to reach for years that have not quite responded positively, Lord, that you will send other workers across their path, friends and mentors, godly friends, people who will have an impact and influence on their lives for you. Lord, as wonderful as it is that we will be in heaven with you forever, it would be so much better with all the others that we know and love. We know it's your desire that none perish, Father. So we just come into agreement with you here today and we just thank you for all those lost loved ones and we just thank you for finding a way to reach them and plow their hearts to receive the gospel and to respond positively to you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.